1: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, it is apparent that the Republicans are not letting up on their war against women and people with uteruses. This week, Senator Lindsey Graham, as I mentioned earlier in the week, introduced an egregious fucking national ban on abortion. Now, I know that the media loves to part and parcel things out and use Republican talking points as a way to frame the conversation around abortion. But let me be really clear so that you all understand the bullshit that you were hearing from mainstream media. What Lindsey Graham and Republicans in the Senate have done is introduce a bill that they are referring to as a quote unquote, late term abortion, which is banning abortions after 15 weeks. Right. And here's the whole point of this, that clearly the media does not pick up on language actually fucking matters. And we know that a ban is a ban is a ban is a ban. I don't care if it's a fucking heartbeat bill, their bullshit heartbeat bill. I don't care if it's a 15 week ban, right? These Republicans, since the beginning of time have loved to chant about states' goddamn rights. States should have the rights to decide curriculum. States should have the rights to decide gun control. States should have the rights to oppress voters. States should have the rights to decide bodily, who has bodily autonomy or not, right? So now that you are hearing stories Like the horrific story we heard about the 10-year-old rape victim that had to flee her state in Ohio in order to go to Indiana. Because when doctors checked her out, found that she was about six weeks and a few days into her pregnancy term, they realized that they couldn't perform an abortion. For a 10-year-old rape victim. So then she goes to Indiana. And what do the good people in the state of Indiana do? Or I should say their governor. They decide to pass a law that then bans abortion outright. Except for in places of incest and rape. Right? Because God forbid we create safe haven for women in this country. So now that we are hearing more and more stories about women having to drive 400 miles in some cases to other states in order to receive abortion care, the Republicans have decided, oh, no, no, we're not going to leave things up to the states. We're going to implement a national ban. Now, we know that right now we have a super motherfucking slim majority in the Senate. Vice President Kamala Harris acts as that 51st vote in order to get us over the threshold in most cases. So while this ban will not pass in this current Congress, we know that midterms are but 55 fucking days away. While the Senate... Is not in play because the Republican Senate fucking challengers that they have up there are of the likes of a Herschel Walker, my God, or Vance, another moron, JD Vance. Then you have Dr. Oz and others that are, as Mitch McConnell said, you know, not of the best quality. But we know that Republicans are unrelenting and all they do is just wait to peel it away, peel it away, peel it away. And then when they finally do get the majority, we already know what is on the agenda. But here's the thing that Republicans are not paying attention to. They're not reading the motherfucking room from Kansas to South Carolina, we are seeing women register to vote in numbers that we have not seen before. We are seeing midterm voters and primary voters say to their elected officials, hands off my goddamn body. But the likes of Lindsey Graham and others are not paying attention because what they want folks is what we talk about on woke AF all the time. What they want is full and complete control. Over every aspect of our society, including our bodies. There are, folks, 167 million women in this country. 167 million women. More than half of the population are women and people with uteruses. So what is the message that Republicans are sending? And what is the message that every person should be listening to? They are coming for you. They go for the lowest hanging fruit first. Abortion rights have been the fucking catnip for the white evangelical Christian set. The fundamentalist who want to impose their religiosity. And their doctrine on the rest of us. That is not how a democracy operates. We carve out all of these religious exemptions for these people. You hear stories now of employees at CVS's and Walgreens and Dwayne Reed's Refusing to fill prescriptions because it goes against their religious beliefs. Well then, here's a news flash. Here's a tip. Don't go to that job. How about work in a fucking church? How about work in a religious institution? Because if your religion is actually getting in the way of you providing a service to the majority of the population, then maybe that is not the right fucking job for you. The story is very simple, folks. Republicans want to set this country back. And if they have their way by way of midterm elections and these polls, they will, there are going to be in the house of representatives, more election deniers than not while we can hold on to the white house right now. And the Senate, the house of representatives is a fucking toss up. What do you think is going to come out of Kevin McCarthy's House of Representatives? I'm sure bullshit taxpayer dollar wasted investigations into Hunter Biden and the Biden administration. I'm sure frivolous, absolutely frivolous legislation that will be about attacking LGBTQ people, black people, brown people, and women and people with uteruses. They are not mincing words anymore, folks, about what their intentions are and who they are. And as Dr. Maya Angelou has said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time, how many decades do we have to go through to recognize that Republicans do not care about this country? Because if they did, then they would invest in clean energy. They would want innovation. They would want diversity. They would want America to be globally competitive. But how can that be? If we are chaining half the population inside the house with children they can't afford, nor do they want. How are we going to be competitive when we allow corporations to run roughshod over workers and workers are barely able to keep their head above water because their wages are not on par with inflation. They don't want America's success. And it's time that the American voters recognize that with 50 some odd days to go, Folks, Republicans continue to show us who the fuck they are and their vision for America is worse than the handmaid's tale. And we know that for women of color in this country, abortion rights had only been a paper right in most of these red states to begin with. So it's time that white women who have aligned themselves with the power and privilege of white men wake the fuck up. And realize that your rights, your life, your economic stability is on the chopping block. Coming up next, dear friends, joining us, we have the president of Planned Parenthood for America, Alexis McGill Johnson, will be joining us to talk about what Planned Parenthood is doing in this time of great strife in this country and how you can get involved. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gabfest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the Gabfest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree, but we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gabfest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, I am super excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily, Alexis McGill Johnson, who you have seen no doubt, um, as Roe v. Wade was overturned. She is the president of Planned Parenthood, which you no doubt know who Planned Parenthood is. If you went to college, if you, uh, have needed any type of, uh, repro he- healthcare, uh, Planned Parenthood was always my first stop. Alexis, um, you came out uh of you were one of the many esteemed activists and organizers and leaders that were part of a meeting with vice president kamala harris where uh it was said that she reaffirmed the biden administration's commitment um to pushing back against the republicans extreme agenda um to ban abortion right, to, to oppress women and people with uteruses. And so I I wanted to get your initial reactions after having been, uh, in that meeting, how you're feeling right now and, and, and what you can share with us that came out of it.
0: So, Danielle, first let me start with the genesis of the meeting, right? Um, this is a meeting that that came together because a group of reproductive rights, health, and justice leaders, uh, along with a group of uh, largely legacy civil rights organizations, came together to really underscore the fact that, that we know. Reproductive freedom and reproductive justice is intimately tied with our voting rights and democracy, intimately tied with racial justice and standing together really, um, you know, for the first time, at least with this genesis of of folks to come together to really talk about the intersection of of issues um, as they relate to You know, all of our, you know, all of our movements and what we need to do moving forward. And I think the vice president, I think particularly someone who uniquely sits at the nexus of civil rights, of reproductive rights and and justice and criminal justice, I think has been was was very receptive to the notion that um, that we had to come together and to really talk through. Um, you know, what are our strategies moving forward, not just over the next 56 days into the uh, November uh, election, but also what our long arc needs to be as we move towards justice.
1: So talk to me about the fact, because I I think that it is, I, I always appreciate when civil rights organizations come together with, whether it is women's rights, LGBTQ rights organizations, but come together to understand that we have a shared desire for justice, right? That we have a shared desire for equity. Talk to me about the unique, I guess, position that black women and women of color are in right now, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, as, at the close of the Supreme Court's session. And what are some of the experiences that you've been hearing about or that were uplifted during that meeting?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, to be um on the on the kind of meta level, we know that these bands that we've seen over the years, uh, abortion bans have disproportionately impacted uh, Black women in particular, people of color, people with low incomes, rural communities. And we are seeing many of these bans introduced in states with the highest maternal mortality rate, right? So, also uh, an issue that significantly disproportionately impacts Black women. Uh, and so, you know, I think we start there and just the nexus of how sexual and reproductive health care um, bans and restrictions impact our bodies and control over our, our bodies. And our freedoms, then you add a layer on um, to the criminalization and the surveillance um, that is increasing with respect to these bans. Some of them are being enforced by this, this you know, unique bounty hunting, hunter provision that was part of a, the civil right of action uh, that came out of the Texas ex- SB8 um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, ban and fiasco last year. Um, and and now with Roe overturned, um, we you know the the, the we could see felony convictions, right. Um, from, for providers up to 99 years. Um, but, you know, also for people who support people who get access to care out of state and, you know, the opposition has introduced everything from, uh, you know, saying it, it it shouldn't be legal to cross state lines in order to get access to care. literally holding people hostage in their state, um, so that they are not able to get access to abortion care. Um, you know, People worried about the long drives they're taking. We are seeing people drive um, an average 400 miles outside of their state uh, to wow. get access. And lonely, right, because they are afraid to to tell anyone what is going on because they don't want to, you know, um, implicate anyone else in, in, in their decision if it, if it may cause them harm. Um, And we also recognize the fact that um, if criminal prosecutions move forward as, you know, what one would have to right? if they're going to actually enforce these laws, you know, that could also impact um, and create voter disenfranchisement. Right. It could impact. Um, you know, one's ability to get access to housing, access to Medicaid. Um, and so the ripple effect into public policy from, from the kind of healthcare harms that people are experiencing, um, I think is just um, really great um, um, and, you know, uh, a significant um, challenge for us to be thinking about. And because of that, I think that's why these communities coming together um, made such a powerful statement um, last, I would just add that, you know, so many reproductive rights organizations, including mine, um, you know, we are now being led by by Black women or women of color. And, um, yeah. and so the opportunity to really sit at the center kind of as, of who we are, along with the vice president, I, was just a, an incredibly powerful
1: moment. You know, there has been a lot of critique about the Biden administration and their handling uh, of this issue. Uh, there had been pushback from abortion activists about the fact that the president hadn't uttered the word abortion. Um, there has been pushback in general about Democrats and their inability to wrap their arms fully around this issue. It was always, you know, abortion should be, you know, safe and rare. Right. Um, and you know, we have moved to a place where we understand that abortion is just a necessary part of care. We're hearing terrible stories, um, about, Partially formed fetuses that are being left inside of uh, of 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 a uterus because they can't be aborted. Right? Um, Do you think that this administration, when we knew, when we thought that the bill, that the that the um, decision was a draft, that they took enough proactive action, Um, and do you think that they have arrived at this place in recognizing that? Republicans are not going to let this issue sit.
0: Yes, and look, I think like uh like the party's entire evolution on this issue, right? I mean, we still have people in the party that uh are, you know, uh do not support access to to abortion and I think that is, you know, something I that we have to grapple with, but I think this administration it has been very, very thoughtful in terms of thinking as a, what I would say, a whole of government response to the crisis and making sure that the actions they are taking, whether it's litigation or um, you know, identifying various um, you know, policies or executive orders, that they are very uh, patient and provider focused um, and intended to do what they can to help people mitigate the concerns while we fight back. Um, so you know, a good example, as you just mentioned, the the um, emergency medical, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, um, support in 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 the uh, danger of the um, parent's life. You know, I mean, that Imtala guidance from HHS is very important, and we've seen how you know the Republicans have responded to that. You know, Attorney General Paxton of Texas said he wasn't going to follow that guidance or, or recommend that guidance in the state because he didn't think that the federal Federal government had uh, the ability to do that, so you know we should, and we should come back to that when we talk about Lindsey Graham. Um, but but they have done actually some very important things, right? We've seen the executive order um, urging um, Medicaid to support travel, right? Which, as I said, people need; they're, they're traveling up, up upwards of 400 miles. Uh, we've seen them open up Supplemental Title X funds to get access to family planning, um, making some abortion care available through the VA, right? That's a big deal to. have have a, you know, the agency lead um, at the, at Veteran Affairs, you know, support uh, the, you know, the men and women of our, you know, of our uh, service. Um, People are, are desperate for accurate information. As we know, um, there is so much misinformation rife in this, um, in this space, um, that is, you know, information that you see online and then gets codified into crisis pregnancy centers. And the administration has responded by launching reproductiverights.gov, and and you know I have to lift up, and I think this is one of the reasons why we were particularly keen on, um, you know, seeing the vice president yesterday is that she personally has been traveling across the country this summer around abortion access. She has met with over 150 legislatures in 17 states, leaders in higher ed, healthcare providers, con law experts, attorneys general disability advocates, faith leaders, like she's leaving no stone unturned to really inform the kind of, um, response from the administration. So is there a silver bullet that the administration Mm -hmm. could, you know, provide for us? No, because it's, it's so much more complicated, um, you know, with this ruling. Um, but I think in terms of mitigating the harm and the impact on people, um, that is where they are focused and we need to get back, um, and quite frankly, deliver uh, a different system and structure for them to operate in, in order to get some real meaningful policies set into law.
1: So you brought up Lindsey Graham, who uh, many know who listen to me know that that is my least favorite senator. Um, And, you know, Lindsey Graham uh, did something this week where he offered uh, from the Republican Party a national ban on abortion. Now he has referred to it as a late term abortion, which the media, mainstream media has turned around and is using Republican talking points when reporting on what is inside of this legislation. I want to get your reaction first to one, this party that has made it their mantra state's rights has now turned into, oh, no, 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 because the states are not doing what we want. Now we want a national ban, one. And then two, how the mainstream media has been dealing with this issue, and particular in discussing this, quote, unquote, late term, which we know is BS. hundred
0: percent. So, look, I think on the... um, on the offering, we should not be surprised, right um, in a, you know they they talk about states rights and I think there is an element related to states rights that that the opposition and the Republican party in particular, you know, um, white supremacists are very keen on um, kind of uh, doubling down on with respect to um, you know uh, enforcing and codifying power in in each state. Um, And, uh, you know, we could only look to the to the opposition, which is, you know, said they would like a nationwide six week ban, which is uh, looking to for the Supreme Court to take up a constitutional personhood amendment. So they've never really meant states rights only in certain circumstances as maybe code words for for some groups. But what they really want to get to is um, is abolition. Right. A a complete um, inability for us to access abortion and control our bodies. With respect to you know a a 15 week ban and and calling it a a late term abortion that is just you know uh, it's just a complete misnomer. First of all, a ban is a ban is a ban is a ban. Right? Each yep. Pregnancy is unique. Each circumstance is unique. That's why we would rather have providers and patients making their own personal medical decisions and not creating these one size fits all laws. They just don't work. And they they create harm. Right. To your to your earlier point, we you know, seeing patients that are in second second try who don't have the ability to um, get the abortion care that they need, even when their pregnancy is no longer viable, waiting for sepsis to set in, you know, right. which could, you know, obviously create so much harm. There's so much bias, obviously, in 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 care, particularly relate as it relates to black maternal care. And that, you know, it just it's 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 incredibly harmful and offensive, right? That that this is the piece. With respect to the media, you know, I think that the media has actually um been a, a big challenge um all along, not just with respect to just picking up um because on, on late term, we know that upwards of eighty percent of Americans believe that Roe should be the law of land. The the energy, um, and I think the resistance to so many of these increasing extreme restrictions is so palpable. It's so clear. There, are, you know, no state, very few states, where. Um, you know, uh, where it's, it's even kind of middling. And so I think that part of the challenge, what we see in the media is that they have actually al- also created a false equivalence around uh, yep. people who support acts of abortion and people who, who oppose it. And so at every turn, you know, here we are with a majority public opinion support, and we're positioning this as both sides. And that just, that false equivalency doesn't work. So then you layer onto that, you know, um, late term, it's really a, a way to set up, you know, why um, people who support access to uh, to abortion are not going to be reasonable or compromise. And you know what I mean? I would have to say, like, we are not going to compromise um, by, you know, having a one-size-fits-all approach when we know full well that each pregnancy and circumstance is unique. And providers are the best people to make those decisions, not politicians. I think at the end of the day, you make your own choices, you make your own decisions, Um, but, but politicians don't need to be in the middle of that, right? We would rather have our, our medical providers in the middle of those conversations.
1: You know, Alexis with 56 days until midterms, um, we have seen some pushback. We've had some good news like in Kansas, uh, where we have seen the people push back and say, no, right. Um, we have seen and heard that more women are registered in, registering to vote. We saw an initiative fail in the state legislature in South Carolina. Now is a really hard time though, to be hopeful, right? Um, everywhere that you look, there is just really bad news like this Graham bill. And I'm wondering how are you And all of the people that work at Planned Parenthood across the country, how are you maintaining a sense of hopefulness?
0: You know, I honestly, I think it it has been those little, not little, big victories, you know, um, you know, state by state victories. It has been, you know, holding out hope that we could pull through in Kansas, even when you know the data pointed to it being um, a uh, quite an um, an even match early on. It is seeing that kind of courage become contagious in a state like Nebraska, where they, they literally couldn't find the, the the next you know the the legislators that um, would would make the difference. Um, it is holding the line because every time we're able to delay a ban. Or delay some of these harsh restrictions, we're actually able to provide service to people. Um, I am I am incredibly hopeful, deriving hope from you know honestly the the patient and provider stories I hear every day. And, and make no mistake that these are people that are despairing. They are they are despairing yeah. because they can't provide the care that they need. They are despairing because they have to embark on a. You know, a long and arduous and lonely uh, abortion journey, um, and that is, you know, that is is difficult to bear. But the reason they do that is because they have hope on the other side, right? They have hope on the other side that being able to get access is going to help them make the best decisions for themselves and for their families. And you know, at the end of the day, we trust folks to make decisions about their bodies. We trust them to, you know, um, figure out how they need to to live their own best lives. And I think every time every time we see that um it which is in stark contrast to the way um politicians like Lindsey Graham are inserting themselves as if they are the trusted um you know gatekeepers to our our own bodily autonomy i think it just highlights how important um, this right is and has been. It highlights how important our democracy is and our voting, you know, capacity and rights are. Um, it highlights all of the work that we need to do together as a as a collab- collaborative of communities, which is really, um, you know, what what gave me hope yesterday in the conversation with the vice president and my um, colleagues, who you know, um, Danielle, we've known for for many years in in different positions, yeah. but to feel like we are standing strong because we have intersected in so many different ways on so many different issues. We see this at the core as being about freedom, right? We see this at our core about being about freedom and justice. And that is why I have hope because, you know, that has always carried us through.
1: You know, last question for you is that there are so many people, so many people that listen to my show, so many people that are glued to cable news and want to figure out what they can do to help, how they can be of service um, outside of obviously voting in the midterm elections. Um, Tell people how they can be supportive to Planned Parenthood, to this movement, to this moment um, right now.
0: You know, um, so of course, uh, supporting um, Planned Parenthood affiliates is is incredibly important in this moment because many patients are making their way um, to various affiliates across the country. And wherever you are, there's an opportunity to support and connect um, to patients who are both traveling out or helping us meet the surge of operations in that place, supporting independent providers at uh, keepourclinics.org who are also carrying a huge burden of of, uh, providing abortion care, supporting abortion funds at abortionfunds.org are ways to, to give direct support to patients who are traveling and need all of the the logistics and support there. Um, If you want to get engaged, you know, politically, um, I would say go to takecontrol2022.org. That will get you all involved in your uh, electoral game, mobilizing, um, you know, and I think that's really where we need to be focused over the next 57 days. Um, And then we're going to be back with a with the long game conversation, right, Danielle? Like the, the yes. long game around now that Roe is gone. You know who who are we going to be now that we're not defending Roe, and how are we going to reimagine the right? And I think that's where you know um, you know another place where um, where we can be hopeful together, we can be imaginative together, and that's really what the work is going to be moving forward.
1: Well, Alexis, I will tell you that there's no better person. Uh, than you to be at the helm of Planned Parenthood right now. I feel like the organization and the movement is in good hands, uh, particularly with the list of esteemed people that I have known for many, many years that were in that room with the vice president. Um, You know, I I hope that you will come back and join us uh, and continue to tell people how they can get involved, what they can do, uh, and remind us that, you know, we have been in these places before. Um, we have seen these dark days before, uh and that it doesn't end here that this is this is a a new beginning, and like you said, a reimagining Alexis Miguel Johnson, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for making the time for us today.
0: Thank you, Danielle. It was so lovely to see you and talk with you. This gave me hope. <laughs> <laughs>